It is not the view of the intelligence community that China and Russia are equally acting in this election. And I can say in open session, that is false. And it's false for the American people to walk away and believe that there's any equivalence between what Russia and China are doing. Uh, That's the guy who had a Chinese spy girlfriend carrying water for the Chinese communists. Yeah, kind of interesting. You remember when that report came out late in the election that uh, other countries were trying to influence our uh, our media and our and hack into our systems and all that different sort of stuff. They talked about Russia. They talked about China. They talked about Iran. Eric Swalwell felt the need to uh, go to the floor and make a strong argument that Russia's a dangerous, uh, not China. What? Come on, let's not let's not equate Russia and China. A I mean, lying creep. Even if he hadn't been <laughs> compromised by a Chinese hottie, that is a bizarre argument to make. I mean, that's really strange. So yesterday, well, play, play, uh, where was it? Hold on one second. Uh, play 50 for me. This man should not be in the Intel Committee. He's jeopardizing national security. Until he comes forward and has a thorough and complete explanation for what happened, then he should not sit on the House Intelligence Committee and have access to classified information. Nancy Pelosi went on to say, however. I don't have any concern about Mr. Swalwell. I do think uh, that it's unfortunate that Mr. McCarthy is trying to make an issue of this when his leader, we all found out at the same time. Uh, which is an interesting angle, and I haven't I haven't heard that debunked yet, and I would like to know because this has happened in my career, where one side or the other uh, screams and yells about something, and then we find out they were all briefed on it. <laughs> they act like they didn't know, but uh, in this case, I don't know what the truth is on that. Nancy Pelosi oh. says we were briefed by the FBI at the same time on the fact that Swalwell. Uh, Her and McCarthy, is that what she's saying? That yeah. both parties were briefed on? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the leadership of both parties were briefed back at the time the FBI found out Swalwell's, uh, the, 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 someone who worked in his campaign, they didn't call him or his girlfriend, because he's denying. Oh, he's not denying that. He won't answer the question. Right, right. Well, anyway, uh, Nancy Pelosi's claiming they were all briefed at the same time on the fact that Swalwell uh, had a Chinese agent in his midst and was not calling for him to be removed at that time. Well, I don't give a fortune cookie when they were briefed, whether it was today, yesterday, or 15 years ago. What the hell does that matter? Get him off the committee. He's, he's, he's compromised. He's probably under the sway of his Chinese overlords. She has pictures of his wang. No, no, you know, unfortunate pun intended. And, uh, and it's, it's just outrageous. This guy's on the intelligence committee. God, and he's a congenital liar. He's really the worst sort of, of politician. He's, he's excrement. He's a terrible human being. Shame on you, Bay Area, for Shame. electing this guy. Shame. 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 Ding dong. No one. There it is. <laughs> shame. Shame. She had her uh, shame bell in its case. It took a second to get it out. And, and yes, we're looking at you, Eric Swalwell, you lying creep. The Chai Coms might have picture of his wang. Is that so, what you said? <laughs> I don't think I said that. Uh, Swalwell, according to the New York Post, would not be the first or last political figure to be honey trapped uh, by uh, hottie spies. Says uh, Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA senior clandestine services officer, I can say with a high level of confidence that there are many more of these women out there. China's M.O. is to flood the zone. And if you got a Chinese girlfriend and you're like a uh, professor at a university or... Uh... In government or anything like that? In defense, you're a def- defense contractor. Hmm. You know, virtually an- anything. 
If you have an unusually attractive, young, Chinese-American or Chinese girlfriend, you you got to at least think about this. Fell into your lap literally or figuratively? Yeah, and she just she's with you because she wants to speak, learn to speak English. As that one uh, fat old uh, Midwestern mayor he asks his crazy hot young Chinese girlfriend, why are you into me? Uh, she says, uh, it's to help me learn English. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's not a very good cover. Anyway, several current and former intelligence and security officials and experts interviewed said it was impossible to put a number on just how many honey trap scenarios might be in motion at, at present. But one former defense and intelligence operative noted it could be well into the hundreds, if not thousands. Such spies are assumed to be at top universities, known to speak very good English, and routinely use social media platforms such as LinkedIn and Facebook to connect with their prey. Um, and they reaffirm what we've been discussing, that a lot of it has to do with identifying uh, uh, talent, uh, getting into somebody's life before their star has clearly risen, and they are surrounded by more staff and all. So an Eric Swalwell would, and he literally did, he won his, his uh, congressional seat with this gal as his buddy and perhaps lover. And she's a, a friend. She's a fundraiser. She says, hey, I got a great intern to go into your, your office. And she got a Chinese spy into his office. So, yeah, they, they flood the zone. Uh, sexual and non-sexual relationships. They just try to latch on to anybody who looks promising in politics or defense or whatever. It's really something. Um, and, it, and it's thousands and thousands. I was told by counterintelligence officials years ago, first person, that American universities are thick with Chinese agents. And since China passed their espionage rule in, or law in 2017, any Chinese citizen who is tapped by their country, must obey and do the bidding of Beijing, whether it's spying, uh, honey trap stuff, or, or whatever. I have read enough about China now over the last several years. I don't think they probably even need to say anything. I mean, if you, if you live in China and have been paying attention at all, you know what happens to people that go up against the government. If the government came calling and a government official met with you and said, this is what we want you to do, you know what the penalty is for not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make the point, by the way, these intelligent officials, that it's mostly men and often married men, because <clears throat> then you can blackmail them. Uh, but they go after gay fellows as well and women at times. Just any way they can compromise you or just use you as uh, an intelligence, an information spigot. And there might be thousands of these Chinese nationals in the country per just to do the sex stuff, the honey trap stuff you're saying? Yeah. Or spies yeah. in general? No, just yeah. the honey trap stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I suspect the number of Chinese agents in the United States is uh, is in the hundreds of thousands. It's got to be. I heard the other day, I wish I had the figure in front of me, the number of uh, visas we grant to Chinese uh, students and others every year. It's it's 1.3 million or something like that. In fact, I think that might be the number, but uh, it's it's it could easily be hundreds of thousands of Chinese agents all over the country and, and clustered around our universities. Uh, multiple former intelligence officials told Fox News that China, while one of the dozens of countries that rely on the honey trap tactic, has perfected it with a, a, a whole variety of stratagems and techniques uh, used for different purposes with varying motivations. I'd like to hear those. Yeah, I, I would, too. Evidently, they didn't spill the beans, but... Oops, unless it's uh, down here. Yes. 
while covert Chinese operatives in recent times have come to be heavily associated with cyber espionage and hacking, the human intelligence gathering, HUMINT, remains a traditional staple. Uh, and it is not only the likes of Swalwell, the main target which the operatives want to glean, but also those around them. Thus, many befriend aides, junior staffers, uh, interns, and the like to build a more comprehensive profile of the high-value target. In terms of, then they get into intellectual proper uh, intellectual property theft, which is obviously rampant. Um, in uh, in other cases, the honey trap can be centered on collecting incriminating intelligence personally and professionally to later destroy an ascending or already high ranking career. I, I've got, you know, Swalwell's not saying anything, but when he was running for president. Xi Jinping himself was being briefed. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. On, they, they, on, were, they were at very high levels paying attention to his poll numbers. I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, traps typically begin with perhaps an offer to help a political campaign or struggling business with personal expertise or via funding, and relations steadily swell from there. Uh, another former U.S. intelligence official who still works in the national security sector and requested anonymity said, the honey trap technique has been glamorized by the Russians over the years, but the Chinese are the ones who have really been stepping up their game. But it's only been in more recent years that it has been targeted toward the more political side of the house. So we were referencing a little bit ago, because she did sex up a couple of Midwestern mayors, and the FBI was onto it, and they actually have uh, uh, audio of her and some mayor having sex in his car. And that's what Joe is referring to, where he asks her, because he's much older, he asks her at one point, why are you into me? And she says, I want to learn to speak English. If I'm a nobody mayor in a small Ohio town, assuming I'm not married in this scenario, that's fine. I don't care. I don't care what the reason is. I'm not even sure I care if I find out you're a spy. You're not going to learn anything from me. (laughs) Right, right. But they just, it's... Things are working out pretty good for me right here. Yeah, it has to do with their artificial intelligence programs, too, that they just learn absolutely everything they can about everyone that might have an influence in the U.S. and mm. and go from there. Uh, they mention also in this article in the Post that um, it's the oldest trick in the book, but China's specialty in espionage is believed to have been more systematically crafted and perfected in the years soon after President Richard Nixon visited Mao Zedong, uh, the famous uh, opening of China to the world, which we've found out recently, uh, after decades of everybody thinking this was a good idea, from moment one, it's been a strategy by China to say, yeah, yeah, we're opening, we're cooperating, yeah, absolutely, we'll, soon we'll be uh, just like you. But from, from the moment that Nixon was in China, their plot has been to overthrow the Western world, Yeah, to, to pretend to cooperate. They never intended to. Probably the biggest geopolitical mistake uh, maybe a country has ever made in the history of the planet. Yeah, incredibly naive. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of nice. We're a nice people. We want to get along. We want to be peaceful. We want to be friends and, and, you know, do your thing, speak your language, do your religion, whatever, but let's be buddies. China's like, yeah, yeah, let's be buddies. And then, the, you know, they've taken us to the cleaners to the uh, tune of, I mean, how many trillions of dollars? Probably uncalculable, incalculable, uh, but in trade concessions and all sorts of stuff. Next Not thing to you know, some theft. young Chinese spies sweating on you. And how awful would that be? I, th- um, I would hate that. People's attitude about the COVID is kind of interesting. A poll just out today. Uh, we have a, a, a grim view of the near future, even though the vaccine is approved and supposed to start rolling out soon. And on that topic, 
Why did Great Britain and Canada, for instance, approve it so much faster than us? What do you know? Are you involved in any level of this that you would know why it's taking us weeks and days longer? I'm just curious. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. vaccines will be available soon, whether we want them or not. And a lot of us, it turns out, do not. According to a poll from the AP, less than half of Americans say they're planning to get the vaccine when it comes out. Only 47% of Americans want it. The other 53% want to stay home in sweatpants forever, I guess. But I don't know. To me, that's nuts. I'll take that shot in my eyeball if it means I can go to dinner. I really will. (laughs) You know, I hear that. Eating out doesn't matter to me. That's a but, but. But there are plenty of other things I want to do. So yeah, I I'd take that shot right this second. In fact, I don't understand why we're not handing them out right this second. If you know why we're not, hit us on the text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Or I don't if know. you prefer mailbag uh, at armstrongandgetty.com if emailing's more your thing. Uh, can you check and see if there's a new poll on the percentage of people willing to get the shot? That's lower than the number I'd heard earlier in the week, but it may have gone down for all I know. Yeah, I gotta believe Gallup and or Pew are tracking that. Yeah, uh, that's troubling. I mean, because the, the high number I was hearing earlier this week was 60% of people were willing to get it. That's what Pew was saying, yeah. Ugh. Um, So we set the record two days in a row for number of deaths, over 3,000, two days in a row. The rolling 14-day average, 14 day average, so they average it every day. Uh, spread out over 14 days, so it's not that you, you kind of avoid the jigs and jags day to day. The rolling 14-day average were up 49% on deaths in America. Is that from yesterday? Uh, that's the, the, Yeah, that includes to yesterday's number. Well, no, I, when you say the rolling 14-day average is up, that percentage, from when? Um, well, I, you know, I don't. I should look into the methodology. I know the way I do a, the way I would do a rolling fourteen day average. Whenever I've done that sort of thing, is you you average it for fourteen days yesterday, then you right. add the number n- next number and average it for fourteen days again, and then right. that's how much it's up. Yeah. Well, and if it's up that much day to day, that's shocking. Heck yeah, it's shocking. I mean, it's 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 astounding. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, especially given the fact that a lot of us had kind of gotten the idea that. Uh, God bless their their souls that the old and vulnerable, the weak, the diseased had kind of gotten it uh, earlier and and passed on. But it's just now so widespread. Well, yeah, it's, it's finding its way. It's it's a lot. I think a lot of it is showing up in states where they never had it before. I know that's true. My that's brother in rural Kansas, it was as if the covid thing didn't exist for them up until like a month ago. And now they're just getting hammered and and, and hospitals are full and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Wow. U.S. Uh, attitude toward this. Half of people say the worst is yet to come on the COVID. I hope that's not true. But uh, well, U.S. judging by that 14 day rolling average, it, it is true. Is the worst behind us right now in the future or don't know? Half of people, 50 percent easy plurality, say in the future, the worst is yet to come. 
Wow. Only 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 16 percent say the worst is behind us. Twenty three percent say we're in the worst right now. Then you got the 12 percent. Who say that to all polls? So what? Nineteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that, that, that makes the number of folks who are unwilling to take the vaccine all the more extraordinary to me. Good point. I mean, the level of cynicism and or fear is, is way higher than I'd ever imagined. So have you heard reasons for that? Why, why do most people not want to take the vaccine? They're afraid something's going to happen because of it? Yeah, yeah. New, unproven could be dangerous. That's what? the consensus I get from all of our emailers, for instance. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, why, and why do I have zero of that? Uh, I don't know. You're naive. You're an idiot, according to the emailers. I'm just, again. Well, that's been true for quite them. some time. But No, I uh, I don't know. It's funny. I, I, I know that our FDA is the most careful one on earth. They do make mistakes, though, as folks have pointed out. You know, they certified OxyContin was non-addictive, which in retrospect is, is I don't, it's astonishing. Um, but people are that cynical or cautious about government approval. Hmm. And, you know, we pitch more cynicism toward government every single day. So I can't uh, I can't be too offended that maybe it's stuck. Right. But on this particular thing, I feel like we're our, our FDA is way too cautious and too careful. Is right. My biggest knock on them. Uh, why you why won't you take it? Four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Why are you guys so fixated on making the vaccine mandatory? We have never said that once. It's just, it's interesting how the conversation happens. Anyway, uh, glad you're here. Portland's got its own Chaz problem, among other things we'll be talking about later. Uh, Let's see. Due to enthusiastic demand, our British correspondent, Nigel Rotunds, a portly Christmas is viewable at armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, really? We should play some of that on the air. No, we shouldn't. Yes, we should. It's the last thing we should do. It's fantastic. Next segment, we'll play a little of that. idiotic. (laughs) Uh, Please welcome to the show uh, the fabulous Lan He Chen of the Hoover Institution and the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lan He Chen. Lan He, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me this morning. It's our pleasure, as always. So uh, the the Hunter Biden thing I want to talk about real quickly. And this is it's a great sensational story. It's super political. It's, it's great for right wing radio, the rest of it. But as a serious national security issue, if indeed the Biden family was up to uh, no good, whether just tax evasion or whatever in China, isn't it true that the Chinese communist government has to know everything about it at this point? Uh, I, I think that's a fair assumption. Yes, I think not only do they know everything about it, but I think they've also thought about how they plan to weaponize it. Uh, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party is very sophisticated. Uh, you know, there, there's this vision in Washington, and this is my concern a little bit with the Biden administration, how it's going to approach China. There's this view of China that, you know, it's still a relatively sleepy, backwards uh, developing country, and nothing could be further from the truth. It is a remarkably... Uh, sophisticated uh, apparatus they have in Beijing. And they know a whole heck of a lot about, uh, about a, a great many number of things, including the dealings of Hunter Biden 
and the Biden family and whatever he has done in China, if it's involved money laundering, if it's involved undue influence, if it's involved uh, anything shady, they're going to know about it and be prepared to to weaponize it. And I think the question is, to what extent this story is going to uh, you know, formulate a part of the narrative, at least in the early years, about how the Biden administration deals with China. I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it's separate and apart from the whole thing. But, you know, where there's smoke here, there might be some fire. So we just have to keep an eye on it. So whether it's the the coronavirus started there, Eric Squawwell, you know, maybe dating a Chinese spy or Hunter Biden making money off of China or whatever, any involvement with China is going to be uh, a, a, practically a third rail going forward, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly direct involvement in the way that we're looking at. I mean, you know, this is why people have to be very attuned to the fact that the Chinese Communist Party has for for many years had influence activities all over the world. By the way, they they first start this in in, uh, you know, their portion of the world in the Indo-Pacific. We saw it in Australia. We saw it in Japan and Korea efforts at it. Uh, We've seen it for many years on Taiwan or trying to influence things on Taiwan. And now we're seeing it in the United States. So. This is something that we know is out there that people have to be understanding that there is a goal that the Chinese Communist Party has, which is, first of all, to dominate the Indo-Pacific region and second of all, to have true global influence. We just have to be aware of that and understand what the implications are of it. Judging by what you've seen and read so far and and keeping in mind, honestly, that the New York Post's reporting is, is borne out, it's turned out to be accurate. Do you think that Joe Biden was getting a cut of the family business? Yes, no, or too little information? You know, I, I think it's a little early to tell kind of what Joe Biden's, uh, role in all of this was. I know there's been some reporting that suggests he was the big guy or whatever they called him, uh, that, that that he may have benefited from it. But I'd like to see a little bit more, particularly from, from our uh, investigative agencies, from the prosecutorial agencies, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, the various others who are pursuing this. I, I would prefer to see a little bit more solid evidence from, from government prosecutors before I draw any conclusions. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important for people to recognize that investigations take take time and they have to be put together carefully. And so let's see how it plays out. Hey, you're a policy guy. We were talking earlier in the week about this whole uh, college loan bailout thing that Joe Biden is, uh, well, he's really being pushed toward. He wants to do a, a lesser version of it, but Ben, he's getting a strong push from the the left flank in his party to wipe out like the first $50,000 of college debt at the expense of working class people who didn't go to college. Um uh, do you think that'll actually happen? Joe thinks it'll happen, and I, th- I can't believe it's going to happen. So where, where are you on that? Uh, right now, I'm not sure anything's going to happen. I mean, if you look at how these guys can't even come together to solve the coronavirus relief package problem, I mean, this is like pretty basic stuff. They actually want they, – they cannot agree to get together to give people money. I mean, that that's mind-boggling to me. The Congress usually has no problem at all spending money, but they can't seem to come to, to come together on this very basic question – what's what will lead one to believe that they'd actually be able to come together to to pass legislation that's even more controversial on the question of student loan debt? I mean, I think there's a couple of issues here. First of all, um, I've always felt that we can't assume or make the assumption that college is going to be the right answer for every American, because it's it's not. In some cases, you've got folks that want to pursue trades, for example, who want to get training, who want to go on to very successful careers doing that. There are a lot of people who want optionality in their lives. And the notion that somehow we have to one-track everybody into a system where everybody goes to a four-year college 
uh, I think belies the reality of where our society and where our economy is. Oh, it's Beyond that, I would say, you know, look, when people go to college, they make decisions about what they're going to study and what they're going to do. And in part, what a full-on bailout does is it basically says to people, we're, we're not going to account at all for the decisions you make. If you go to college and you decide you want to study, I don't know, some fill-in-the-blank topic that you know probably is not going to lead to a well-paying job at the end of college. Or a job at all. What, what, what culpability, what you know, responsibility do you have for that? And I, I think you have to put some responsibility on the student to say, I'm going to make responsible choices when I go to college. You know, uh, I agree with you 100%, Lonnie, but all I'm hearing from the perspective of a lot of voters is blah, blah, blah. The other guy's going to give me something. So that's right. who I'm going to vote for. Lonnie Chen with the Hoover Institution, the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. Hey, can we bounce back to the COVID relief package for, for a second? I understood why Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats were holding it up prior to the election. So, so you know, everybody would be miserable and they would vote for change. What the heck is going on now? Well, there there are two primary sticking points, as I see it. So the, the Democrats want to push for more money to bail out states and local governments uh, and, and use this, as I see it, use this coronavirus crisis as an excuse to essentially uh, help states that are poorly run, like, frankly, California, Illinois, New York. Um, and the Republicans, you know, they don't want to have any part of that. Now, the Republicans, for their part, want to pass essentially um, a liability shield. They want to be able to give companies protection from, from, um, from facing large penalties or, or you know, prosecution potentially for any issues that arise from people going back to work after COVID. And so the Republicans are insisting on liability protection. The Democrats are insisting on a big bailout for state and local government. And so there's an impasse. Mm. In the meantime, there's lots of areas where they agree, by the way. They think we need more money for first responders. We need more money for health care to get the, the vaccine out. Uh, we need to have some aid for those who are unemployed. we got to help some small businesses. But the problem, this is typical Washington, guys. Instead of doing the things they agree on and saving the stuff they don't agree on for later, they let the stuff they don't agree on get in the way of actually getting things done. And it's very frustrating for many Americans, but that's where we are. Wow, so interesting and troubling. Lonnie Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. Uh, Lonnie, thanks a million. Really interesting. Great to be with you. Thanks. The the problem with that impasse is it's like uh, should we uh, should we get some tanks to hold off the Nazis? And we're in the midst of the Blitzkrieg. I mean, they're right on the other side of the river and about to come into our country. I mean, that's where we are with the virus. We're, we were just talking about the polls. 50% of Americans think the worst is yet to come, and they're probably right based on all the models. Now is a weird time to get hung up on a variety of things. I don't know if, I don't know if getting a, uh, we can uh, come up with a way to get hospitals more money for, uh, for masks and all the various things they need. We're in the midst of the worst part of the worst pandemic in right. centuries. And in terms of the service economy, blue-collar America, the economic bounce back might be years from now. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's uh, wow. That's just astonishing. Congress has a nine percent approval. Rate. They earned it. Any questions? They earned it. Um, uh, different topic. Not as serious. So Disney made a giant announcement yesterday. If you're a Star Wars fan, Sean will have to fill me in or maybe, you know, Joe, I, I know Sean's just super into Star Wars, but um, 
the whole Mandalorian thing, apparently its popularity has made people see dollar signs, I guess. Is that what's going on here? I'm sure. Uh, yes, Disney announced uh, 10 new Star Wars Expanded Universe series that are going to be... Uh, ex- How many? 10. Um, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. They 10 also- series? Series. Uh, and 10... Uh, Marvel Expanded Universe series as well that are going to be uh, right. exclusively I, I, on Disney+. I'm going to have to tell my son, because because right now we've got kind of an appointment Friday nights. He stays up late. We watch The Mandalorian. I can't do that with 10 new Star Wars shows and 10 new Marvel shows. They, I'll be up late every night. Every night will be a special night. They are going to be releasing these in a way where it, you will very rarely have... Uh, maybe with the Marvel and Star Wars, there'll be some overlap. But I, I think it, when Mandalorian ends... Another uh, Star Wars thing will gotcha. start filling okay. in the gaps in between when they're shooting the so new seasons non-stop. of the other one. Stop. Yeah, there will always be something on, but very rarely will there be something on, like quote unquote, every night. Well, and they're all probably going to be pretty good because they're so dialed into the formula. I mean, super great special effects and CGI and the rest of it, and they just reprise the plot of every western every over and over again. The original Star Wars movie was just a western with spaceships. Yeah, they have really dialed in not only just kind of the the formulaic story of, of these sort of things, but they they have constructed studios both for Marvel and Star Wars that it's really turnkey, right? The, the actors show up, they do the things in front of the screens, and then they get to go away and go home. One, uh, the, the Star Wars one's in L.A. The Marvel one, I believe, is in and then Georgia. The computer nerds make all the cool stuff in the background, huh? For the most part, okay. the, the Star Wars one has moved past the green screen technology stuff that the the Marvel still uses. They're using kind of video so game technology. So you're telling technology. me that Yoda kid is not real? What? Uh, no, that's a puppet. That's a puppet. Um, <laughs> you're a, a puppet. Guy. Your face is a puppet. It's a little guy in a suit. <laughs> Um, uh, they blew up Mandalorian spaceship. I, I, that changes the show to me. I can't believe he lost his spaceship, but uh, whatever. But now we got the posse together. He's got a crew now. Mm-hmm. We'll watch tonight. My son and I. He loves it. It's a fun father son thing to do. Uh, a lot of this sound in a number of forms. You're gonna hear that sound a lot. If you're in the other room and the show is on, you're gonna hear a tremendous amount. Yep. So coming up, uh, a uh, an electoral scientist has determined you could win just 11 counties in America and win the presidency. Oh, wow. I want to hear that. I'll explain that a little more on uh, Eric Swalwell, the uh, dallying, dallier with Chinese spy babes. The New Yorker taking a look at some politicians, including Dianne Feinstein, just being too old to do their job. The New oh. Yorker's taking a look at that. Oof. Uh, among other things on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And can I just say, I am very impressed that so many government officials are willing to come out against Facebook. Especially when you consider how much Facebook knows about them. I mean, at the next hearing, some judge could be like, give me one good reason why we shouldn't break up Facebook and Instagram. Well, we've given everybody so much joy, Your Honor. In fact, let's just look at all of the messages that you've sent all of these Instagram thoughts. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Case dismissed. Let's move on. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Pretty good. 
Um, Coming up, the governor of North Carolina's wife flipped off an eight-year-old and bragged about it. Stay with us. <laughs> uh, it's way too much stuff here. Yeah, I know it. I'm drowning in information. That's the, that's that's I got to be a tough thing for just uh, everyday people, not just people who do uh, radio shows for a living. Just there's so much stuff out there. And you get like like my wife has got her feeds that she goes through, you know, it's a Reddit feed or this feed or whatever Facebook feed. And you get you get hooked on you get three or four that you look at. But you get your chunk of information about the world, whether it's celebrity news or political news or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else gets their chunk of it. There's so much out there. I wonder. I wonder if in the future you can hire somebody. And you tell them these these are my interests. These are my political views. These are my interests. These are the things I'm not interested in. And I want you to set me up with the feed that I'm going to look at. You know, every afternoon well, to get what, the stuff I care about and not the stuff I don't care about. Well, that's what they're doing, though, isn't it? That's what Facebook is doing. That's what Apple News tries to do. And they do it badly. Well, that's what they think they're doing. Yeah, I guess, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working for me. Because I see a lot of stuff I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For instance, I don't ever need any news about Cher, but I have this in front of me. Well, that's not an algorithm's fault. I handed that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, adjust your algorithm. Cher's rescue tour continues. This time it's a gorilla. She's begging for help to rehome Thailand's only gorilla from a department store zoo. I'm I'm in favor of that. A department but, store but zoo. But she she's touring around the world, apparently charging people to see her, and people are paying. And then she takes the money and uses it to help various uh, animals and stuff. So well, that's you know I'm I'm in favor of that. Cool. She's you know she's wait not a just minute. getting wealthier. Cher is trotting the gorilla around the world. No, she's trotting around the world. Uh, oh, she uh, went to the gorilla. Her tour yes. continues, and she's using the money. And the attention to try to save the gorilla, and, huh. and she's done this with many different beasts. Yeah, she saved an elephant the other day, I think. Yeah, her rescue tour. Huh. So that's kind of a cool thing to do. Good yeah. for you, Cher, and your yeah. weird, weird face. Oh, hey, that's uh, that's that's surgery shaming. Yeah, I'm all for surgery shaming. You've, have you seen the new Christmas Chronicles movie? We were just talking about that in here. Just de- debuted like a week ago. That's Kurt Russell as Santa. And uh, used to be the hottest woman in the world, Goldie Hawn, as Mrs. Santa, his yeah. his real life wife, yeah. who's who's had seven too many surgeries. Oh, she doesn't boy. even look like a human being anymore. It's oh. weird. How could you possibly end up looking like that? Yeah, we look in the mirror and we see what we want to see. You're not better off just being an aging, uh, attractive person? Really pretty girl, beautiful woman. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, More from the science desk. Artificial objects now outweigh life on Earth. This is the crossover year, researchers say. At the start of the 20th century, everything created by humans, including buildings and roads, weighed a small fraction of what all the living things on Earth weighed. But the the amount of human-made stuff has been doubling every 20 years... While wildlife and plant biomass shrinks, and scientists believe this is the crossover year when artificial objects outweigh the combined weight of all the plants, animal, fungi, and other life for the first time, according to Scientific American. i got to believe there's quite a margin for error in that calculation. Weighing absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I'm not sure it means anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably not good. But the rate at which humans produce stuff is accelerating. If I eat a VCR, yes, 
what does that count as for that oh. weight thing? <laughs> oh, my God, you're blowing my mind. That's a good uh, point. On average, for each person on the globe, anthropogenetic mass equal to more than his or her body weight is produced every single week. So stuff that's not a life form of my weight is produced every week on the planet somewhere. Well, not to mention there are more people. We're going to end up with too much stuff, though, too much crap, kind of like my garage. Very similar situation to my garage is going to happen on the whole planet. Right. Just lots and lots of stuff. You can no longer park your country in here. Yeah. Why yeah, is my it, country parked outside? Because the garage is full of stuff. <laughs> We're not going to li- live on Mars. That's going to be like a rent-a-shed yeah, for exactly. our stuff. And that's what will happen. We'll end up colonizing the moon or Mars because the planet's full of stuff. It'll be exactly the garage principle. It's like when I was in middle school. A kid moved, and I commandeered his locker. Because my locker was so full of crap, I started living out of his, and before long, his was pretty full, too. And <laughs> That's I, exactly I, right. It was the age of conquest. <laughs> age 12, as it turns out. Uh, yeah, that's something. Occasionally, I will, as a guy who lives in one of the exploding population suburbs of America, uh, I'll go to the landfill, do a dump run now and again. And I got to admit, I stand there rubbing my chin and thinking, man, there are millions of people around here, and... This landfill is big, but it's not vast. Well, and I, for me, I know the number of people in line every weekend with crap to take to the landfill. There will be a limit to how many things we can bury or we got to start shooting it into space. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Or heaving it into third world countries until <laughs> they make us stop. My old vacuum cleaner and stuff yeah, like that. Right, you just exactly. throw it at Haiti. Put it on an ICBM and shoot it into Africa. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.